Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Southern Extra. This is Nathan Dominic, your co-host with uh, McLean Baxley. McLean, how are you doing tonight? Doing great. Okay, great. And with us as well as a special guest, Stan Autry. He uh, has been writing uh, for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution for 25 years, and now he covers Georgia State for the AJC. He also covers golf. He knows everything about golf, which we'd love to talk to him about the Masters, uh, which just happened. But as we're recording this, on a Monday night, uh, November 23rd, there's been a, uh, some breaking news on the Georgia Southern football front. So before Stan and McLean and I jump in about the Georgia State game this Saturday, we should go over some what we know right now as we tape this about uh, Georgia Southern having uh, our two players from the, the football team arrested. McLean, can you fill us in a, a bit on the details? Yeah. You know, uh, it was announced uh, or, you know, yeah, it came to light on uh, Monday that starting running back Wesley Kennedy III and starting nose tackle C.J. Wright were arrested on multiple counts of possession of marijuana or drug-related objects. And Kennedy was also um, arrested on one count of possession of firearm or knife during commission of or, or attempt to commit certain felonies. Um, the athletic department released a statement saying, quote, we are aware of the situation and are working with law enforcement officials to gather all the facts and quote uh, bond has not been set for either Kennedy or Wright. Obviously, you know, you know Kennedy uh, since JD King's gone down, Kennedy has been the number one running back, um, you know, for really, you know, you know, four years since he's been in Statesboro, also a, uh, you know, punt returner and kickoff returner, CJ Wright coming off of a uh, fantastic game against army and has been a uh, starter the past couple of years on that defensive line. So, uh, you know, on, on the field, obviously going to hurt, but also, you know, never a good sign to see two of your uh, starting seniors, um, you know, arrested and, and making headlines in that way. So that's what we know so far um, is, is that, you know, these two players uh, were arrested Monday um, on accounts of, you know, possession and bond has not been set. Uh, I expect more, um, you know, a, a, more of a statement from uh, head coach Chad Lunsford or, or the athletic department as the week goes on. Uh, more about their uh, status um, for Saturday's game, but um, just in, in recent memory with you know, Georgia Southern or with other football programs, um, expect them to to be out um, unless you know proven innocent or anything. So that's all what we know right now is, is that they are facing counts of possession of marijuana and possession of firearms, and are still currently in Statesboro Jail. This is uh, this year has gotten stranger. Um... We were prepared uh, in a normal football season for players to be out because of football injuries or suspension from the team because of uh, not getting, uh, not being eligible because of grades or, or something like campus related, not going to class, things like that, or, or 
because of COVID-19, we've, we, you know, we're, we're prepared mentally, at least we're trying to be prepared to have uh, either a couple or maybe a, a mass number of players uh, unavailable for games, as we saw with Georgia Southern's opener against Campbell, where they were without 33 players for any number of reasons. Was, was coach's decision, football injury, COVID-19, positive test, or, or contact tracing, uh, which Coach Chad Lunsford said was really the, uh, the big issue was contact tracing. You don't uh, know if players are going to be eligible from week or available from week to week. And uh, like I agree, I would not count on Wesley Kennedy or CJ Wright being available for this game this Saturday at noon on, uh, in Atlanta against Georgia State. Uh, but also we've been talking about when Wesley Kennedy was hurt uh, this season. Uh, he missed the opener because of one of those reasons that we mentioned. He missed uh, most of a game against Texas State because of an uh, injured – injury to his mouth. And when they, when they didn't have him in there, they seemed to miss him a lot. Uh, now without JD King, that's kind of like Mr. Inside, Mr. Outside. And you mentioned the special teams, special teams already was struggling and you take away a weapon. Um, I say, shouldn't say weapon. You take away somebody who's, uh, uh, can score from any part of the field, like Wesley Kennedy, the third, um, it's, uh, it's going to be a, a hole in the, in the, in the, uh, the potential for them to score. I should mention, uh, as McLean did, we're going to try to keep up uh, with the story as it as it progresses on SavannahNow.com. Because of the special holiday deadlines, uh, for whenever you hear this, uh, it'll be true. Uh, our Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday print editions are already um, published or in the process of being published, and we will not be able to update in print uh, until Friday. But we will update uh, 24-7 if we have to on SavannahNow.com slash sports. Look for any Georgia Southern updates. Okay, I'm going to bring Stan in here. Stan been quietly standing by. Uh, Stan, any um, any thoughts about, you, in your experience, when a, when two players get arrested on Monday of game week, is there any uh, trend that we should look for or what the steps are from here? No, I think you probably uh, hit the nail on the head, Nathan. I wouldn't expect either one of those uh, young men to be playing on Friday uh, or on Saturday afternoon. I think they're both probably going to be out that's, that's usually the way things happen. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, with, uh, well, since you're uh, most familiar with Georgia State, I know they've had some players hurt and they've had a, a very crazy schedule where they had what three out of their first four games were postponed or canceled. And the one game that they got in in September was a 34-31 overtime loss to Louisiana, which was ranked 19th at the time is still nationally ranked. So, Based on what you saw from Georgia State early on to where they are now, how have they come along? How, how's the season gone? It's been an interesting season. They've uh, you, you referenced that Louisiana game, and they really should have won that game. Uh, Louisiana made a big, big push in the fourth quarter and, and won that game in overtime. So that's a game I think Georgia State thought they should have won. But that's kind of been the the thing for them they they probably had a I mean they had a great chance to beat Appalachian State mm-hmm. and they couldn't close that game um, they had a you know great chance they should have beaten Arkansas State and couldn't put that one away so uh, they've had a hard time closing now that that changed a little bit last week but mm-hmm. I think closing games has been the main issue they've had but you know um, it's been an interesting season I mean, similar to Georgia Southern, they've they've had a lot of close games. You know, I'm looking at the schedule now. You know, the 
you know, a one-score loss to Arkansas State, a, uh, you know, one-score loss, like you said, Louisiana, uh, you know, one-score loss to Appalachian State, a one-score win over Troy. So, I mean, similar to, to Georgia Southern, um, you know, they've had a lot of close games. What's been the key for keeping them in these games against, you know, a, a good Appalachian State team, uh, um, you know, and, and, you know, getting over those wins, you know, against Detroit or like last week against uh, South Alabama, what's been the key to, to you know, keeping them in these, these contests? Well, the thing kind of kind of turned around defensively for them um, against Coastal Carolina. They came out and they just got smacked early, and Coastal just basically just put a beat down on them. I mean, they it was like twenty-eight nothing before you could barely blink an eye. And since then, their defense has been really good, especially against the run. Uh, they really you know slowed App State down, and you guys know App State. They're, they run the ball kind of as well as you guys do, uh, a little bit different, but uh, they're, they're the same kind of running team. But, but since then, their defense has been the difference, and I think that has uh, made them a, a better football team. The uh, I, I do want to kind of get an explanation of what happened at Coastal Carolina. It actually was a home game in Atlanta yeah. at Center Park Stadium, 51 and nothing. It's kind of like an outlier, like you were saying, compared to basically every other game. Uh and they had a strong, some strong wins in there, but uh, what, what, how did they get run out of the building like that? Uh, Coastal obviously very good, and Coastal pretty much had their way in the fourth quarter against Georgia Southern on a hot Saturday afternoon. That kind of they got, um, they, they got, they scored the last two touchdowns of the game, and that was the difference of basically was a very tight game for three quarters, uh, and they owned the fourth quarter. What, uh, what happened uh, when Coastal Carolina came in and? And then we'll talk about the South Alabama game, which is a happier uh, thing to talk about for the Panthers. Well, I think the uh, the Coastal game was right on the heels. They had a big win the week before against uh, Troy. Right. They'd gone down to Troy, Alabama, and uh, same way with the win there. They had never won in Troy before. So they were riding pretty high. And I, I believe Coastal was the game they came out. They had a turnover real quick. And Coastal scored. They punted, you know, well, I know the Coastal Georgia State came down and missed a field goal on their opening possession, and then Coastal scored and they scored and they scored, and it was really was it was twenty-one to nothing within five minutes of the game, and I mean twenty-one nothing is a lot. That's a big, big hole to dig. You you, you know before before it's over. I mean Coastal was just basically. Uh, Kind of running the ball up the middle just to keep from running it up. They totally kind of the stats. I mean, thirty yards net passing for Georgia State that game. Um, that's when you're down by that. Anyway, just a a game they they probably erased from the uh, archives. But uh, the, <laughs> the 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 South Alabama game last week, the the most the freshest um, evidence we have of how they're playing. Uh, like you wrote about uh, in the AJC, uh, I guess they had four turnovers, three interceptions, and a fumble. They weren't weren't they were not doing the the uh, the way they weren't playing the way they wanted to uh, or needed to to win and then they just owned the second half basically. Yeah, you, uh, it just it was just kind of weird. Uh, three interceptions and a couple of them they made great plays on South Alabama did to to intercept the ball, um, but at halftime they went in and just had a little little talk and said you know they got to do better blah blah blah. Went out and uh, South Alabama scored, but then after that, after South Alabama scored and went ahead, Georgia Southern just or Georgia State just kind of started hitting on all cylinders, and 
They scored two touchdowns on a total of eight plays, grabbed the momentum, and it, you know it was just all over from there. It was really a, a, a great second half for Georgia State. If you had to give you know an MVP, you know eight games in, you know this is the se- this regular season finale for the Panthers. Uh, you know who's who's been that MVP on on offense and, and on defense uh, for, for Georgia State this year. That's a good. That's a good question. Uh, on offense, it's been a, a bunch of different people. Um, on Saturday, it was a, a guy named Sam Pinckney, who was one of their best wide receivers, who had a huge game. And you'll see him Saturday. He's a big, tall guy with uh, is able to go up and, and get passes and bring them in. Very athletic guy. He had a great game on Saturday. But at times, the quarterback, who's a redshirt freshman, has played really, really well. They got a bunch of different running backs that can carry the ball and be effective. But I think the thing that makes your offense go is their their offensive line is very talented and very experienced, mm-hmm. and uh, they got guys that have played a lot of a lot of football on that offensive line, so they kind of know what they're doing. And when they play well, it makes a lot of makes up for a lot of mistakes that an inexperienced quarterback will make. So I think I would be maybe the the MVP. You know, those four or five guys on the offensive line on, on offense. On, on defense, they're, they're a different team this year than they have been in the fact that they are uh, creating a lot of turnovers. That was one point of emphasis for them during the, during the offseason, summer, whatever that, whatever that looks like. Uh, they were going to try to get in and, and cause more turnovers and be more disruptive, and they, they've done that. Uh, they've got a redshirt freshman named Antavius Lane, who um, is coming in? He's just kind of like a turnover machine. <clears throat> he missed last week's game with an injury, uh, but he is supposed to be back this week. But uh, they just put a lot of pressure. Last week they had seven sacks, and uh, they just like to get after it. In fact, uh, it, was, it was funny. It was mm-hmm. funny. Uh, Coach Elliott said that uh, they were out there hunting like animals. Right. And, I wanted uh, to ask you about that comment. That that got people's attention. What did he mean by that? It just meant they just uh, they just went after it and, uh, and played hard, reckless abandon, and um, didn't care who got in their way. And uh, they just kept played with a lot of ferocity, and that's the kind of defense he likes to see out there. Sean's an old school guy. He's an old offensive line coach, and he's been a lot of different places. But he's an old school guy, and when he sees his guys playing hard, uh, he takes a lot of comfort in that. What's the expectation from you know Georgia State fans? You know, I know in, in basketball and soccer they've had a lot of success, uh, you know, making postseason runs and everything. But you know, football they've made a couple bowl games and you know are able to you know beat Georgia Southern, uh, you know, uh, a couple of years in a row. You know, what's the expectation? You know, season by season for you know from Panthers fans uh, when it comes to their football program. I, it's hard to tell this year because uh, it's just such a weird year. But I think they've gotten more the expectations have gotten higher as uh, especially the last couple of years that he's been there and has kind of gotten his program established. I think they kind of expect uh, more or less to have winning, winning season and, and go to a bowl game uh, each year. That's kind of where they're, where they're at. And of course they need to win Friday or they wouldn't need to win Saturday to guarantee that, uh, that winning season uh, and have a chance to get back to a bowl. But that's pretty much where they're at. They're, they feel like they're at that stage. Today in today in Georgia Southern's uh, you know press conference with uh, you know head coach Chad Lunsford, he said you know he was asked you know if Georgia Southern Georgia State is a rivalry game. He said 
we allowed it to be. They were able to get up in that series 3-1. We fought back to get it tied at three. We allowed it to be, didn't want it to be, but we've allowed it to be. Since then, you know, Georgia Southern and Georgia State fans have been, you know, arguing on my Twitter anyway about, you know, if it is a rivalry in, in football. I mean, we're, do you do you believe that, you know, the Southern State is a, uh, is a, is a rivalry in, in football? It's, it's kind of funny. Uh, uh, a guy who I worked with uh, for a long time, he's a, he graduated from Southern and I graduated from State. And we used to always joke about it uh, all the time, especially when the State started playing football. I, I thought there's no way that they were ever going to be competitive with Georgia Southern. And it really actually kind of surprised me that they have been. It's, you know, it's gotten to the point where they win on a regular basis. But I think it's definitely a rivalry, uh, and it's a good one. I think it's a good, healthy rivalry to, to have two, you know, good quality teams like that, uh, not not power five conferences, but within the same, especially now they're in the same league. I think it's good. Yeah, you, you'd think with the proximity, with them recruiting, I would think they would recruit a lot of the same players, at least the same high schools, uh, that they would uh, they would bump into each other out there and, uh, you know, uh, fighting over players. And, and you mentioned Sean Elliott. Uh, Chad Lunsford um, was a coach under him at one point, right? Not as, I guess he wasn't a head coach, but he was brought in, I guess, as a tight ends coach. Uh, Sean Elliott was like the offensive line coach or the offensive coordinator. It's a small coaching world, is what I'm trying to say. We we went through this. Yeah, you know, we went through this last week with Jeff Munkin, who um, you know was a former uh, head coach and longtime assistant, and then a head coach at Georgia Southern. Now the head coach at Army, of course. And then because of a series of of events, kind of out of their control, with the SEC not playing outside the conference, that canceled an Ole Miss game for Georgia Southern that opened up November 21st on the schedule. And then army stepped in. So you had this kind of like friendly awkwardness, I guess, with, you know, we, we talk, you know, they talk and they know each other and they don't, they don't consider themselves rivals. And then suddenly they're playing each other and everything is tight lipped. I would think until, well, they did have small talk before and after the game and they're still friends, obviously, but there's, you know, during that, those, that 60 minutes, it's uh it's all out battle. Um, what Sean does Sean Elliott refer to Chad Lunsford? Uh, maybe this week will be the time to talk to him about it. But have they have they referred to George Southern in kind of a friendly way, or has there been kind of like any kind of open dislike for the different programs, like like you see with uh, say Georgia Georgia Tech? I haven't seen any open dislike. I, in fact, uh, he mentioned I asked him today about the uh, the fact that it's the rivalry game and it's the last game of the season and. Mm-hmm. Um, he he likes the fact that it's a rivalry, and he thinks rivalries are good. And I I think he believes, and I think it's widespread, except among probably some some of your hardcore fans on both sides, that it's a good rivalry. It's uh it's a it's a friendly rivalry up to a point, but uh, both sides obviously want to win. I don't think there's any hatred or bitterness that I can tell on either side. Yeah. Uh, Coach uh, Chad Lunsford uh, said. Um... At, um, I lost my train of thought there, but they, uh, they, um, well, let me just ask you, Stan, what do you foresee happening on the game Saturday? What, uh, what if uh, Quad Brown has, you know, he can throw the ball, uh, big arm. The, they, they got, a, like you mentioned, Sam Pinkney, dangerous wide receivers give everybody trouble. Uh, Georgia Southern's defense has been playing, had been playing uh, pretty, pretty well before going into the Army game. What, uh, what uh, do you see happening on Saturday? And, uh, will it be will a lot of it be the passing game? Will that be a key part of it? 
But it's weird, though. Uh, Georgia State has a, a really good running game, and they like to get that established. Um, they had a problem last week. It was, it was kind of odd that the guy who's been their leading rusher all year, he carried a few times and uh, had a big fumble, and he didn't play again. And yeah. someone asked uh, Coach Elliott on the press conference today whether he was injured or if that was just a coach's decision, and Sean said, uh, no, in fact, uh, he's fumbled the last two games. And I'm thinking, how can we, uh, how, can we control, how can we control that? Well, the way I control it is by not giving him the ball, not having him in the game. So um, I don't know how much we're going to see him. Um, I think I think State will try to, to again try to establish the run. They'll throw a lot early, uh, which which they have done. That's been their pattern. Um, and they may try to go deep on the first play. They've done that a few times too. Uh, but it's going to be very much a uh, a contrasting style, no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, McLean, did you want to make your prediction on the uh, Georgia Southern-Georgia State game? I mean, I, I'm, I'm just glad they're playing. You know, I know uh, uh, in recent years or in, in this year, you know, a lot of rivalries have been, you know, thrown out between, you know, the ACC, SEC. You know, you're not getting the, the Georgia-Georgia Tech or the, you know, South Carolina Clemsons. And, you know, obviously with them playing the same conference, I, I agree that is that it's a healthy rivalry and, you know, you know, usually the Saturday after Thanksgiving would be the final Saturday of the season, regular season, and um, I'm glad that in recent years they they've moved this game from you know I know for a few years it was middle of the season, you know, mid October, um, and now they've moved it to that rivalry week, you know, when the South Carolina Clemson's and the you know Alabama Auburn's play. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited for the atmosphere. I hope you know, I know I, I went up there in 2018 uh, when it was you know in. Uh, um, you know, when it was in Atlanta and, uh, you know, it was, there's a lot of, uh, Southern fans, I would say that the Southern fans kind of out, outmatched the, uh, state fans and, and, you know, cause it got kind of ugly there in the second half, but, um, you know, hopefully there's a good atmosphere and, you know, safe atmosphere, of course. And, uh, hopefully it's not too cold. I remember last year or the last two years I went and, uh, I underdressed, I just wore like a, a uh, you know, button down and it got down into the, the mid forties and, uh, I'd not bring a sweatshirt or a, a jacket or anything. So I'll, I'll be more prepared this week. Well, you're lucky it's a noon start then, because I, 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 you just jinxed it. It's going to be cold at night. I can tell you, it'll be cold. But uh, noon, uh, I guess, bright and sunny. We'll predict that. Um, uh, the uh, Stan, I, I really appreciate uh, you coming on the show. Uh, you've been wealth of information. Uh, you and McLean will be out at uh, Center Park Stadium uh, on Saturday, and we look forward to to seeing uh, how the game goes. Uh, thanks for coming on, and uh, hopefully. Uh, We'll get to talk about uh, Georgia State and Georgia Southern again soon. Thanks very much, Stan. Really appreciate you. All right. Great job. Glad to do it, Nate. See you. Thanks. Okay. Uh, as as we get back to it, McLean and I are going to hang on, and we're going to talk uh, about the Army game. Uh, the 28-27 Army uh, didn't lead until the end, until uh, their, their last score where they, <laughs> they they made the extra point. And that, that brings up my first point, not to make a pun, but special teams – has been really costly to the Georgia Southern. Uh, Chad Lunsford has noted it. He noted it uh, when uh, it didn't cost them a game. Uh, and then he noted it when it, you might say, it did cost, or had a big hand in costing the game against Army. Uh, let's, let's count down the highlights. He had a blocked extra point, which was crucial, obviously, in one point loss. He had a blocked punt, which led to a touchdown. The second half kickoff, they allowed the guy to get back to the Army, returned to like the 48, so a very a short field which based on Army's offense, they take a, they're methodical. They take a long time to cover a lot of ground. 
you don't want to give them a short field. Uh, you don't want to give anybody a short field. But uh, what is, what uh, what are you seeing out of special teams uh, this year and lately, McLean? Well, I mean, the past, what, seven, eight years, they've had a guy that's now kicking on Sundays, you know, at first in Young Way Koo and now uh, and then uh, Tyler Bass. And so that, that was the question preseason was who, who was going to step in and, mm-hmm. you know, fill the kicking duties. Um, and so you're looking at a redshirt freshman and a true freshman. And really, I mean, up to this point, you know, they, they, you know Alex Rayner, the redshirt freshman, he's been doing the uh, place kicking. And then um, Dylan Lewis has been doing the uh, kickoffs. And, um, mm-hmm. I mean – for the most part, they, they've had success. Uh, I think it was uh, over the past couple of years, it was, uh, you know, something like 140 straight uh, extra points made, um, extra point, you know, field goals made. And, um, and, that, and obviously that, that was snapped on Saturday uh, in West Point. That's the timing. I mean, we, yeah. we, we, we knew at some point it was going to, to get them, you know, fortunately, like you said, you know, they've missed a couple of field goals throughout the year, but they've been able to respond and, um, you know, against a team like Army, like you said, where they don't give the ball but they don't give the ball up. You know, they held the ball for about 38 minutes um, against against Georgia Southern on Saturday. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you mess up, you know, it, you might not get a chance to get that back. And, and they, unfortunately for Georgia Southern, you know, they, they did get the ball back, you know, with 45 seconds or so. Um, and, we're, and we're driving. And, and, you know, Chad Lunsford said in the post game that he, he wanted to give, you know, Alex Trainer an opportunity to make that game-winning field goal. Um, but because of, you know, the – that last, you know, 21 seconds, um, which I feel like we could talk for an, a whole hour about, you know, what, what went on. Yeah, we, we, that's yeah, a good you know, ratio. 22 seconds takes an hour to talk, kind of like an NBA game in the playoffs. It takes about half an hour to play the last five minutes. Uh, yeah, just to put a fine point on it, time of possession, which you knew was going to be a big deal with when Army and, and um, George Southern played, and you figured it would be even because both teams, like, that's one of their categories that they own when they play opponents. But you're right, it was 38 minutes, 24 seconds for Army, 21 minutes, 36 seconds for Georgia Southern. But it wouldn't have mattered, like you said, if they had made that that short field goal, if they made the extra point, if they uh, hadn't gotten punt blocked. And punting had been good. And with Anthony Beck, uh, he'd been a really good punter this year, has been. Uh, but uh, punters get their punts blocked every now and then. Uh, teams study up, the, they study the film, and they figure out ways to get to the, the punter a split second quicker. Um, you know, the there's a lot of things that go into a punt and a snap and the, the guy's uh, steps and all that. I'm not the expert here, but definitely, uh, you know, these things happen and, and missed extra points happen. Uh, the timing was terrible, uh, but it, uh, like you said, they weren't out of the game because of um, some uncharacteristic uh, situation where Army was trying to run out the clock and then uh, kind of ran around with the ball and got a holding penalty, which penalty stopped the clock. And so they had to punt, which gave Georgia Southern a chance to come back. Now, here's another key random thing that happened is Shy Wirtz, their four-year starter, their senior, their leader, the guy that's made so many clutch plays that you've been witness to, that fans have seen. He gets he gets thrown down on the turf on his right throwing shoulder, comes out of the game, uh, and it's too sore for him to throw the ball with any velocity, to quote uh, Chad Lunsford. He couldn't put any velocity or enough velocity on the ball and they had to pass. They were down. Uh, they had a lot of ground to cover in a short amount of time. They couldn't count on running the ball. So Justin Tomlin went in. He hasn't played a whole lot this year. He's kind of taken a few snaps when, when Shy Wirtz has been out. Uh, they, you know, they got only one game where they've had a breather in the fourth quarter against UMass. I think Justin Tomlin probably played the most in that fourth quarter com- that combined. Uh, and he's played before. He's played on other seasons. But 
tough, uh, tough um, role to put somebody in where they've been on the bench uh, watching the game for a couple hours and they have to go in and throw the ball in live game situations, a tall order. And he was doing okay. He completed a 30-yard a pass to Malik uh, Murray to the 30-yard line uh, with uh, 22 seconds left. And that gave them that, which the point that you were talking about, you have 22 seconds, no timeouts. What do you do? Uh, this is a, the, the argument and debate. Do you kick the field goal, which would have been a 47-yarder? Uh, Alex Rayner's uh, career long, which is we're talking only about this year, is a 41-yarder. Uh, or do you try to get a little closer? With 22 seconds left in an NFL game, there's not even an argument. You, you, you run another play or two. But what happened, McLean, instead of them being able to run two more plays, is um, uh, Justin Tomlin got sacked for a two-yard loss. What happened after that? Yeah, so, you know, a lot of people were, you know, a lot of George Southern fans um, on Twitter, on Facebook and everything were uh, confused with the what looked like a quarterback draw. And like you said, no timeouts. 21 seconds and, and, you know, maybe army was laying on the ball or maybe whatever. Um, but if you look back at the tape and, you know, I've seen different angles uh, from different reporters and, uh, you know, different angles from yes, or, uh, from CBS, it did look like a pass play. They had a couple of guys going out, but then a guy on, uh, you know, Tomlin's left side uh, started getting it. So we had to tuck it and go rather than throw. I think if, you know, shy words or a more experienced quarterback had been in there, he would have been known to, to throw it away and not take a sack when you're, when you have zero timeouts and, Right. You know, 20 seconds to work with and um so yeah i mean he did like you said you know he, he you know lost a few yards time's going time's going and then they, he gets up there to spike it spikes it um and then they they go back and review it and and they they say that there's no time left and so the team shake hands go to the alma maters and then head on their way so i mean it was uh well there's a, yeah there's a rule though it's unlike the nfl and this is something uh you had seen researched after the game in the when the game ends, people don't have access to all the information necessarily, but this was looked up later about a rule change that, and, and Chad Lunsford referenced this on the post-game radio show. They, if you have three seconds or less to, uh, and you spike the ball, there's no, you're not allowed to have a, run another play. That was the one play you got to run in under three seconds, whatever you did with that play. In this case, it was a spiking the ball to stop the clock. And with one second left, one is less than three. So why that rule was put in, uh, why it takes away all the drama of a team hurrying up and, and spiking the ball, and maybe they get it in within one or two seconds, and that gives them time to run the kicking team out there or time to throw a Hail Mary or whatever. Why that rule was put in, I, I assume it was something to do with safety or taking judgment calls away from the officials and, and uh, relying on something like you know, like they do with with basketball where you can't throw in the ball inbounds and turn around and hit a shot like Christian Leitner. We're maybe referencing things that not everybody's that familiar with, but well, I think famously- one of the, you know, because it came out in 2013 and you know what else happened in 2013 was the, uh, the kick six between Auburn and Alabama. And, you know, ah, okay. where Saban, Saban fought for that one second to get back before the end of regulation. And he got the one second left and they, you know, they went out and kicked the 50 plus yarder and, you know, Chris Davis returns it for touchdown and the rest is history. So, um, don't want to speculate, but I mean, I feel like there there might have been some stuff, uh, you know, from you know at the time, you know, two of the best programs. Were and, 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 yeah. were reacting to current events rather than the long term big picture. Uh, maybe that was the, the 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 straw, I guess, that broke the camel's back as far that. Well, regardless, the rule was uh, in place, and uh, Chad Lunsford knew about it, and 
regretted. He blamed himself. He said he'll be living with, to quote, he'll, he'll have to live with this the rest of his life. I know that sounds very serious, but he uh, takes winning and losing seriously, obviously, uh, and with good reason. And they had, with 22 seconds left and the ball stopped for a first down, they had time to get uh, the kicker out there. And, and uh, like I wrote about in, on, in my column that appeared in Monday's paper, I, I, I imagine they envisioned like a million kids do growing up. They envisioned having a guy kick a winning field goal at the end of a game, uh, just like happened to them when Louisiana's kicker kicked a 53-yarder when there was time for one more play and that turned a loss into a win. They would have been able to turn a win into a loss if Alex Rayner, you know, had a good snap, had a good hold, and got the, the, the kick up. And obviously, he, he can kick a 47-yarder. He wouldn't be the kicker if he couldn't. So they, they wanted to and here's And here's the thing also is that, you know, I know there's – People, you know, George Southern fans want to blame, you know, the the coaches or or the players or the referees or you know Army for land on the ball. But I mean, if you look at this game and, and you watch, you know, this this you know game that lasts about three hours, you know, mm-hmm. it should not even come down to that. You know, we talk about it's a cliche. I feel like you know, first half or second half. But I mean, that first half for George Southern, they were up fourteen to zero and had one yard uh, there in the first quarter. I mean, they had two two touchdowns. One of them was a. Uh, you know, fumble recovered for a touchdown. The other one, they fumbled it, you know, within the 10-yard line. So, I mean, they, they had 14 points to Army, who had zero points, and Georgia Southern had one yard at the end of the four, first quarter. So, yeah, I mean, but they'll take- you look you look at that first half, and, I mean, I don't know if, if you know, Chad Lunsford or Bob DeBess or Scott Sloan could have drawn up, drawn up a better, uh, you know, first-half game plan. You know, going into the locker room, 20, 21-7, against a team that, you know, dominates the run, uh, you know, hold, holds the ball forever, um, and you're up by 14 points. And, you know, Coach Jeff Munkin, uh, Army's head coach, said in the post game that it's very rare for an Army team or, or really any option team, but especially Army, to, to come back, you know, down 14. I mean, it, it doesn't happen often. Um, I'm not sure if it's happened at all in, in, in West Point's history in a while. So, I mean, it's uh, – it's something that, you know, he's going to have to, like you said, you know, Lunsford's going to have to assess and they've got to move on. And, you know, after yeah. spending, you know, 24 plus hours in New York or New Jersey and getting back, you know, they they have like a shorter week. Um, and now, you know, you're down possibly, you know, two of your key makers. So, um, you know, it's a game that, you know, he's got to put behind him, that the players have to put behind him, you know, and they're going to hear about it on social media. Uh, they're going to hear from fans. They're going to hear from critics. They're going to hear from Georgia State fans. They're going to hear from Army people. I mean, they're going to hear, uh, you know, people talking about, oh, you should have won that game. But, I mean, it comes down to it was a non-conference game. You know, they're right. still four and two. Uh, they still have, you know, their two rivals coming up in the next three weeks. So, I mean, they've got to turn that turn, turn that corner and, and, you know, put this game behind them and, and you know, look to go 3-0 the rest of the season. I think um, there's a lot to chew on there. Um, the uh, Orrin Pack or whatever, take your uh, choice of phrase. We've got to wrap up the show, but I do want, you made a lot of great points. I do want to uh, touch on a couple of things. One is they've been playing so many close games that just the, the odds in the natural course of a season, a given season, you're not always going to make the play that you need to, or the other team is going to make the play they needed, or something's going to happen. And in this case, you had the end of a long streak of made extra points. You had Army going on a 10 minute, 51 second, drive which uh, according to the record books is the largest longest drive in terms of time not yardage but time against the georgia southern team 
which is something to look up. Uh, they, they were saying it was about 11 minutes and one second during the radio broadcast, but it was uh, corrected, I guess, to 10 minutes, I think 50 seconds, but around 11 minutes, which is a long time to hold the ball. Uh, and um, so, th- and you mentioned about the, you know, scoring off of plays on a short field off of turnovers, all these things added up a certain way and they really needed to, to, to take advantage of it. A uh, chance to win at Army, uh, a road game that's a really quality win against a quality opponent. And now you've got, like you said, you've got a rivalry game or whatever you they want to call it. But uh, uh, Georgia State on Saturday still got to play uh, FAU. They still got to play Appalachian State, two games that were supposed to be played already, but because of the pandemic or pandemic-related reasons were not. So there's still a lot to happen. The, Georgia State's uh, ending their potentially ending their season on Saturday. Georgia Southern still got potentially a, a month to go. So uh, counting the bowl game. So it's uh, well, we're going to have a lot to talk about in the next podcast. I think McLean, I think we're going to have to yeah. lot to, to yeah. cover. So uh, for McLean Baxley, this is Nathan Dominitz. Thank you for listening. Uh, just one more time as a qualifier, we're taping this on Monday night. Uh, the news as we were recording are going to record. The news broke about Georgia Southern's uh, two football players from Georgia Southern getting arrested. And um, we will see what happens from here on that. When you hear this, uh, look for more updates on savannahnow.com. And then uh, uh, McLean will have more coverage this weekend. He's going to be uh, our man in the press box. And uh, McLean, thanks very much. Uh, Enjoyed having you on the show, our show. And everybody, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again next week. They're taking care of things right now. The Wesley Fields. Touchdown, Georgia Southern.